Hey everyone, this is Melinda. And this is Carmel, and we're the host of the brand new podcast, We Need to Talk. Join us every Monday starting March 11th as we discuss politics, entertainment, cultural trends, and everything in between. If you want to have a deeper conversation that goes beyond the surfacey stuff we see on social media, make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube so you don't miss an episode. So tune in on March 11th and let us know what you think we need to talk about. Welcome to episode 81 of the Hollywood Hustle podcast, a weekly show inspiring artists and entrepreneurs all over the world with the stories and struggles of those hustling towards success. So far in season three, you've heard from an intern turned creative executive, the winding journey of a working actor, and now this week, I'm thrilled to say that you'll be hearing about the hustle from someone whose journey started in communist Czechoslovakia, where she grew up with a limited means and how from hard work, willingness to learn and grow, Katarina Van Durham moved to the United States and established a successful career as a model, actress, and entrepreneur. Hello, everyone. I am Michael Lutheran, one half of Team Hustle. This week, our executive producer, Daniel Tuttle, was going to be with you guys for the intro and outro. However, he's got that nasty bug that's been going around. I had it for almost all of February, and I can tell you, it's no bueno. So Daniel, I think on behalf of League of Hustle, we all wish you a very speedy recovery, sir. Feel good. And also, as a courtesy reminder, folks, please double up on your vitamin C intake and get lots of rest. No joke. In the doctor office that I work in for my, uh, you know, thrival job, we learned that the flu season has just been pushed all the way through May. So please, guys, take care. Have some tea. Have some vitamin C. Feel good. All right. Now, also on the topic of taking care of business, I want to make sure that you're all keeping up with our hustle on social media. On Instagram, we are at Hollywood Hustle Podcast. And on Twitter, we are at LA Hustle Cast. And you want to make sure you follow us on social media, guys. That way, you're part of the conversation that we're having. We'll oftentimes post uh, questions and topics that we bring up on the show. And we'd love to hear from you guys. We also have something that we're really campaigning for. Uh, every Friday, we do hashtag small victories, where throughout the week, you guys let us know what accomplishments you're making on your own hustles. And every Friday, Daniel or I will release a video going over all of those victories from our community. Uh, it's a really uh, inspirational thing that Daniel created, and it's been going so great uh, just hearing from you guys, hearing about all of the progress that's being made on your journeys. So please keep it up and join us every Friday for hashtag small victories. Okay. Uh, you can always send us a message on Instagram or on Twitter. Let us know what your what goals you're accomplishing every week. And we'd love to uh, kind of spread the word of your hustle every week on our social media. Also, uh, as a reminder, we have switched our podcasting host uh, platforms to Anchor FM. Uh, really great podcast, guys. Uh, podcast hosting app. I've actually been starting to tune into my favorite podcast on this app because one of many things, you can send your own voice messages to directly to the producers of that podcast. Uh, if there's something that you really like, 
uh, that the hosts say, or if you have a question about something that the guests asked, you can actually send a voice message directly to them. And that way, uh, they slash we can include it in the following episode. So it's really great way to have the producers of a podcast and the listeners of the podcast come together and collaborate directly on an episode. I think it's pretty cool. Uh, we, You can also send a financial contribution if you guys like. If you really want to support your favorite podcasts, uh, there is a way to financially contribute to the production of these podcasts. It can be a one-time or it can be a recurring uh, donation. You set the amount. It's all up to you. And you know, if you guys can send any funds to us, it would be greatly appreciated. It goes directly back into the production of this show that you're listening to. So thank you guys so much for just following us, subscribing to us. We really appreciate it. Please keep getting the word out there about the show, of course. Uh, hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to us on, not just Anchor, but if you're tuning in on iTunes or Podbean or Stitcher and you like what you're hearing, give us a follow. And if you can, just take a couple minutes of your time, go to iTunes and leave us a review. They're the ones that kind of set the charts and the more comments and reviews that we get on our page on iTunes, uh, the higher and more visibility we get on other platforms. So really helps us guys. If you can't send us a financial contribution, we totally understand. But if you can leave us a review, give us hopefully maybe a five-star review and maybe a comment as well, that goes a long way, guys. So thank you all so much. Now that we've taken care of all those in-house reminders, let's get ready for this interview. At the very beginning of this interview, you actually heard an ad from an amazing new podcast called Hashtag We Need to Talk. It's hosted by Melinda Hale, former co-host of the Boss Please podcast, which longtime listeners may recall from season two here on Hollywood Hustle. Every week, Melinda and comedian entrepreneur Carmel Humphrey discuss current events and hot topics in politics, entertainment, and the latest cultural trends. And we are so lucky to have Melinda Hale on Hollywood Hustle this week as a special co-host with Daniel Tuttle. That's right, guys. For this interview, I have yielded my co-hosting duties because, number one, Melinda is just awesome. And two, Daniel and I were really interested in having her perspective on the show as we discuss Katerina's journey. So make sure you guys check out her new podcast, which is again called Hashtag We Need to Talk. And also check out her music on Spotify. She is amazing, guys. She does so much. Check out her music. Check out this podcast. It's really, really good stuff. So I'm so excited for you guys to listen to this interview. It truly shows how global the Hollywood hustle spirit really is. We start the interview with Katerina sharing with us what her childhood was like and how ultimately it helped set her up for success down the road. Now, let the hustle begin. You know, I grew up in a socialistic country, right? Mm -hmm. It was during communism and... As much as people think sometimes it's so awful and terrible, be honest with you, I had a great childhood. I loved, loved growing up in the 70s and 80s in uh, former Czechoslovakia. Yeah. Now it's Slovakia, but when I was born, it was Czechoslovakia. And, you know, I learned to be happy with having very little. Mm. And I think that was such a good lesson for me because then anything I 
gain in life or accomplish it's it gave me so much more joy because i was already happy mm -hmm. like i learned to be happy with you know having like i said very little i grew up in the house with no running water i'm not saying this was a standard but just my family you know didn't have much um and we just had each other lots of times we, we would lose power mm. uh, a little storm a little thunder you know and <laughs> boom power is out for a couple of days and just sitting around a table and having candles lit up and just talking and playing board games and just the simple stuff it was just so beautiful mm. nice. um going to high school can't complain i love education and you know eventually when i was in my early 20s i decided to relocate to america so growing up there i was a happy child and i like to remember those years that's amazing what, what was attractive you. to you about coming to america what was kind of calling your name to get you here david hazelhoff <laughs> I think you might be the first person to say that. <laughs> I think you might be the first. Oh, <laughs> best so, so here's answer the thing. ever. But this is the thing. So I was about, I was not about, I was 14 years old when uh, communism fell mm -hmm. in the Eastern Europe. It was 1989. And being a teenager, I was about to hit 15. I went to high school and all of a sudden the country opened up to everything Western, mm -hmm. right? Because we were kind of behind the closed doors and, very limited access to the Western world, no fashion magazines. Like it was just super sheltered. And all of a sudden borders open up and we see, you know, the American uh, pop scene and pop culture and all the fantastic music videos and the early hip hop and American rock and fashion and the 90s fashion, 90s supermodels. And all this pop culture really was um, appealing to me mm -hmm. and I always liked to be fabulous and I was into makeup and fashion and all that stuff and I would be making my own clothes since I was 11 mm -hmm. all of a sudden you see there's just so much out there that we didn't see before right. so I got very intrigued by the western world and as you know David Hasselhoff was one of the first American faces mm -hmm. that made a huge impact yeah. in 1989 when he sang on the Berlin Wall right. mm -hmm. and then all these American shows like uh, The Night Rider and Baywatch and the Melrose Place and mm -hmm. 90210. It sounds silly to you, <laughs> but imagine you're someone living on the other side of the For world sure. right. and no, has no access to the ocean, right. has no access to anything. Right. And you just turn the TV on and you're at the beach. Right. You're in Malibu. I just want to go back because you kind of went by, by it real quick. You made your own clothes I know. since you were 11. I know. And you know, like we didn't even have any great fabrics in store. So mm -hmm. I would always take old sheets, dye them and make clothes from old sheets, bedding, like old bedding, because we had a ton of that. Right. So everything started white cotton fabric or bedding, and then you dye it. You know, we had those different dyes and um, you just made, ended up making clothes and slowly started buying little accessories you can put on. And it looked fantastic. I wish I could do it now. But then when I came to America and yeah. I saw the excess of everything and right. oh my gosh, I don't have to make clothes. Anymore. I can imagine <laughs> coming over here and like you said the correct word, excess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Trust sure, me, I have so Los many Angeles. stories about the cult <laughs> cultural shock. I was yeah. like, it must have been overwhelming. Sure. It wasn't one of the most overwhelming things was going to the CVS for the first time. <laughs> and here's why. I loved makeup, but mm -hmm. I was 14 years old. You know, you want to wear first eyeshadows and fuchsia lipstick. Mm -hmm. And they wouldn't sell it to me because you literally back home during socialism, I had to come up to the uh, shop assistant behind the counter and be like, hey, can I please see that fuchsia lipstick, mm -hmm. which is locked up behind the glass case. And she's like, well, are you going to buy it or not? Mm -hmm. I'm like, 
I don't know yet. I want to see. Well, you shouldn't be wearing makeup. You, you know, you're too young. So I would come back later and I'm like, well, it's for my mom. Let's say I should ask, your mom doesn't wear makeup next. <laughs> so I would have my neighbor who was two years older to buy me my first fuchsia lipstick. And you literally had to ask the shop assistant mm -hmm. to show you something. And it wasn't like you can touch it. It's just like, are you really going to buy it or not? Like, I'm not showing it to you. So I felt it, it, it just wasn't right. So mm -hmm. when I came to America and I went to the CVS for the first time and I saw all those makeup brands. It's just out. Out, just, just right there yeah. in front of you. <laughs> and I'm looking around and all these women are like touching it and playing and trying them on, on their hand and throwing them around and <laughs> doing whatever. And some of it is on the floor. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I mean, that was one of the biggest cultural shocks. Like I can touch makeup. So what was it? What, uh, what was the planning like to move from Slovakia? What did you do to prepare and earn money and, and just prepare yourself to move? Yeah, I, I left in the 90s mm -hmm. and it was a very difficult time to leave because um, as you as I mentioned, uh, socialism and communism fell in 1989. So now the government knew every young person is going to try to leave. Mm -hmm. So they made it extremely difficult for people to apply for visa. I mean, you could apply, but you had to have a bunch of reasons to return, such as you had to own a house or you had to have kids and they stayed in Slovakia. Mm -hmm. Uh, you had to maybe uh, have a good job that guarantees you you're going to come back and have that job. There was so much you had to have. Now, I was 22. Mm -hmm. I look like Pamela Anderson with mm -hmm. blonde dyed hair. <laughs> Nobody's going to believe me. I'm I have gonna, two kids and a yeah. you know, job. I don't have kids. I don't have anything. I had a job. But the job, although it was very good, I knew it's, it's going under. And I knew I'm going to be out of work in about six months. And uh, I was very fortunate that my boss, who was French and, and he had a business in Slovakia at the time, he helped me to come to America. So he sent me on a business trip and mm -hmm. I left and I researched everything about business visa and what I need to do. And uh, all my friends, everybody around me who was applying for, for American visa for the past five, 10 years was getting denied mm -hmm. one after another. And people tried five years in a row at denied, denied, denied. That's why probably there's not too many Slovaks that you know in LA or in America mm -hmm. because it was just so difficult to leave. Somehow I've always had this belief and faith and, and I was a happy child. And I think if you are happy, like you you attract things Absolutely. into life. Absolutely. Um, and I, I was able to come to America and then, you know, I just had to figure out a way to stay. So you came alone. I came, well, here's, the thing, I applied for my visa with my coworker mm -hmm. because he had this charisma. He was 40 something years old. He had just born baby with his wife. Mm -hmm. He had a, a teenage son. Uh, he worked at the company too. So we applied for the visa together. So it's more believable. And um, when he got the visa grant, he's like, you know what? I'm going to go with you. I'm going to try, see what it's about since I got visa. He didn't plan on going, but let me go with you. So he did, but it turned out like three months later, so bad between us. And it's so sad because him and I had a very good business relationship. I knew his family. He knew my family. I mean, it's a small country, small environment. We all knew each other, but he literally, I'm not exaggerating, went crazy here because he couldn't deal with his wife being home with the little baby. Mm -hmm. He wasn't able to send money home because, you know, people are naive. They think they're going to come to America and send thousands of dollars right. to support their families. And it's not the case. 
it, it just ended up really, really bad. And that's when Americans ha- handed me a helping hand, you know, <laughs> really helped me those times. Yeah. Wow. So when you so when you moved here, uh, what were the biggest difference? I mean, obviously there's a lot of differences, and you've already mentioned a few. Uh, you know, what was the biggest differences in just how it, the environment felt between Slovakia or Czechoslovakia and and LA? Just you know, just the environment and the feeling of of the different cities. Everything was extremely different. I didn't find anything I can relate to. Mm-hmm. Also, because I came from a socialistic way of thinking right. on top of it. Now the country is different, but back in the 90s, it mm-hmm. was different. And, um, you know, I ended up cleaning homes as my first job. And being around American people and American households has taught me a lot. And I was very lucky. I'm actually very grateful for that one year of cleaning homes because I was able to observe and kind of try to figure things out why American people do things this way, why they have all these pictures on the wall of their family members seems so normal to you, but we never frame pictures of us or family members because it sounds narcissistic or something. I don't know, back home. Sounds like my old roommate. Yeah, <laughs> everything. I mean, every single, single thing from architecture, how homes are built. There's no brick, you know, homes in California are built from wood. And just, you know, people don't realize, but every every single thing was very, very different. How people drive, women drive with hot rollers, in their hair. That would be so embarrassing back home. Mm. Women walk around in, in sweatpants. That would be embarrassing back home. Like women should be classy, dressed with nice shoes, even if you just go to a grocery store. Mm. Now, I'm the one who wears sweatpants even when I go back <laughs> home and I don't, give, I don't care, right? right? But everything was a cultural shock. Mm-hmm. And I used to work for Philip Morris uh, as a promotional model back home. So I brought all my Marlboro gear with me because it, it's cool in Europe because everybody smoked at that time and and um, I was one of only six girls in the whole country who got to have this job which was very lucrative and amazing mm. so I brought my Marlboro cab and my a fanny pack and all this stuff and at some point I remember this this guy who lived in the same complex he's like can I ask you something? Why do you always wear Marlboro stuff? <laughs> I'm like, well, because it's... they smooth and they smell good. <laughs> no, because it's cool, right? To me, I was very proud of it back home because we did all crazy festivals and right. stuff. Right. And he's like, you know, people in America kind of don't like Marlboro. Like, they, it's like people don't smoke. I'm like, really? So lots of situations like mm. this. And people were always very kind and patient with me and explained things to me. And that's how I ended up changing and growing and I'm very grateful for that. I'm curious what the weirdest like custom for Americans was for you that you noticed that we do. Is there anything that we did or way that we talked that seemed odd to compliments, you? Compliments, compliments. Really? You know, I nobody has ever told me I'm beautiful back home. Um, guys would just hit on me. They wouldn't say I'm hot or beautiful. Mm-hmm. They would just hit on me. But when I came here, I got so many compliments from women and men just how beautiful I am. And, and I just couldn't believe how, how people compliment people. I mean, that was probably one of those biggest ones. I remember selling ice cream uh, at the restaurant in Santa Monica and wearing my, you know, ice cream gear, like cap and apron and T-shirt, polo shirt. And the guy bought ice cream and walked out. And then he came back. He's like, can I ask you something? I'm like, sure. Do you have a mirror home? I'm like, I'm like what is he getting at? Yeah. Like, have you seen yourself? You know, and and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I was, and of course I blushed because then he explained. And I'm like, wow, like people go so out of their way to to express Mm -hmm. how they feel about you and your looks or whatnot. Mm -hmm. But 
that was that was probably one of them. Like that definitely uh, helped me with my insecurities yeah, and confidence right. and encouraged me to do certain things in life. Never took it for granted. That's so because it just seems like second nature to like yeah. tell someone, "Oh, you look nice today," or right. you know, "You're uh, you sang beautifully," or you know, whatever. And mm-hmm. so to hear to hear like in some places that's not a normal yeah. thing is so it's it's interesting yeah it is and that's why i like to talk about it because mm-hmm. people look at you and they think oh she had it so easy she's beautiful blah blah mm-hmm. blah here in america but if they really knew what i had to go through and all the emotional uh turmoil and right. and uh cries because you don't fit in and and i mean it's just so much of it it's it's i i don't think i can ever get everything across even what, what were for you some of the biggest struggles and moments when you were here at the beginning that you know did you ever go i'm going back like i can't i can't do this this is too hard to be away i never felt i want to go back permanently because the good times here mm-hmm. came from mostly American people. I've met so many amazing people that I knew I want to be part of the society. Mm -hmm. And I knew it's going to probably take some time. And it probably took me about nine years where I finally hit some safe place where I felt, okay, I feel okay here. Like I get it. I'm okay. I I can interact with people. But it took me nine years. So I knew I want to be part of the society. So I did not want to go back, but it was extremely difficult because at that time we didn't have Skype social media mm-hmm. i couldn't call my mom and cry to her because she worried already mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you were kind of on your own right and i was in my 20s and um i called my parents once every two weeks because uh it was three dollars per minute yeah. at that oh time gosh. to call slovakia <laughs> days of days of uh calling, car, cards. calling yeah. cards and <laughs> yeah things yeah like exactly that. so you just literally uh, i remember when i couldn't afford to call them so i cleaned home somebody's home and I used their phone to call them because I was just, you know, I just needed to talk to my family. And then they noticed, mm-hmm. you know, like when the bill came, cause it was higher to buy $20 and then I had to obviously pay him. So I got busted for it, but oh, I just no. really had no money to call him. Right. You know, so I just felt desperate. So when, when you moved here, kind of what was your vision for yourself moving here? What was your dream to, that you were pursuing? When you move here, I didn't have a dream mm-hmm. to do anything or become anyone. I just was very, very curious about what it's like to live with people here, mm-hmm. what it's like to live in this culture. I like to dance and I love the 90s entertainment and music videos. And mm-hmm. and I just wanted to even try to maybe dance in a dance group and because I was a choreographer in, in um, high school. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just the pop culture, I wanted to see what it's like. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once I got here, I mean, it was beautiful and overwhelming, but I just didn't feel connected. And that's why it was very difficult for me to have any dreams or ideas of who I want to be, because everything seems so distant. Mm-hmm. You know, being an actress or even model or any any of that, like, I can never compete with these beautiful women here. Mm-hmm. I can never speak as well as some of these speakers, right? I can never do things like I would always compare myself to American people. And I said, there's no way I'm so far, 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 far from any of this, you know? Mm -hmm. So it just slowly, I started to shape as I was here. And, and, you know, like I said, it took me nine years before I even started to really think about what, what I would want to do here. You know, what, what was the the first inclination? What led you to kind of, you know, find your passion here to pursue what was it that you kind of started doing to pursue that 
you know, I always liked fashion and modeling, yeah. but mm-hmm. I knew I'm short, I'm curvy. There's, you know, people were making fun of me back home if I tried to sign up for like a beauty pageant or something. So my ego and confidence it was very low. But I remember working at the restaurant, being a waitress, and, and I and a casting director, a female casting director was sitting there for lunch with a coworker or someone. And she said, you know, we're looking for natural beauties like yourself for a, a lingerie campaign or mm-hmm. something like that. And I, I just remember me, you know, <laughs> like, um, and I'm thinking, and I didn't go because I'm like, there's no way I can compete. But just someone telling me that told me, maybe I could try modeling because yeah. somebody saw a potential in me. Mm-hmm. And then I was working in another restaurant later on, maybe a year later, and there was a wife and a husband. And husband was a photographer, wife was a makeup artist and stylist. And she came up to me also. And she's like, you know, uh, we would like to test shoot you. We think you're beautiful. My husband is a photographer. We're sitting over there at the table. Um, and I said a year later, you know, oh my gosh, I'm going to try. They test shot me and... They saw a potential, introduced me to a modeling agency, and I started modeling. Mm-hmm. And then once you start modeling, and I actually did extremely well, which I was surprised mm-hmm. at the very beginning. I hit a national commercial two months later. Another month later, I hit another national commercial. Mm-hmm. So I was modeling only for like four months, and I was already a SAG member, mm-hmm. eligible, which people try to accomplish for, for years and years. Yeah, and, yeah, years. It takes a long yeah. time. and at the time, national commercials paid very well because mm-hmm. it was yeah. all based on residuals, right? Right. So all of a sudden I saw, oh my gosh, I can do this. And yeah. then you see some other models who are maybe not as good. So, so you get more confidence. And uh, that obviously led me to curiosity about acting because you mm-hmm. end up shooting these commercials. You're on a set, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I was just always curious about all yeah. that. And that's, that's how it happened. Sounds like the same thing that happened to me. I was waiting <laughs> tables. Someone said I look beautiful. <laughs> got um, the lingerie uh, campaign. Yeah, I, got the, I, I actually took that spot. Uh, yeah. I took the lingerie Yeah, you replaced Marky Mark, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> cool that happened though because i know so many people that do wait tables in hopes that a casting director or somebody will <laughs> yeah. say something to them so that's amazing that that actually did happen to you and maybe because i never tried yeah. you know maybe i yeah, never yeah. hoped or i mean I, I was just happy to be a waitress because yeah. i met so many amazing people I, I i'm a very social person i like talking to people and mm-hmm. i just had very good ride yeah. i would say so i had no expectations and everything that came to me was yeah, this is amazing. This is amazing. As I said, I, I learned to be happy with very little. So all these little accomplishments or compliments was just like, yeah, that's amazing. I'm curious what your first commercial was. I just wanted to know what it was. Coors Light. Coors Light. Coors Light, oh, nice. Light beer, yeah. Awesome. Nice. So what, you know, being here, what was the support? Like, how did you find support? How did you find uh, people to kind of lean on in those times when you felt alone or felt frustrated you know what where did you go to kind of network and make friends and just build your own community here i didn't do that i always ran to the nature i guess i Mm -hmm. would drive to the beach and sleep in the car and i wanted to wake up with the sunrise and feel you know everything is okay i think those are my roots so that made me feel everything's gonna be okay you know those few people i had around me were americans and they kind of changed it wasn't a steady uh, support group Right now I was here and these people were around me. Two years later, I moved to a different area. So, you know, I met new people and Mm -hmm. I kept moving, moving around L.A. and Orange County at at the beginning. Mm -hmm. 
So people kept changing, but I always felt like I attracted good American people. They felt they want to help me. And I think that's what's one of the most amazing things about American culture in general Mm -hmm. is that people like to help people and they want to help them to go up. Right. Then they want to take you down once you're there. (laughs) That's a whole another (laughs) story. story, Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a whole story. The LA journey. (laughs) For sure. You, know, you you kind of people kind of approached you at the beginning. How did you find more modeling gigs? Where did you go, especially around that time when there weren't a lot of like websites like Actors Access and you know LA casting, LA casting yeah, yeah. and and all these kind of online spaces? How did you find work? I had an agent. I had a modeling agency mm-hmm. at that time. It was Auto. It was pretty popular commercial agency on Sunset Boulevard, uh, and I was just booking jobs through them. They sent me out on ca- to ca- for castings mm-hmm. and I showed up, I did my thing and I booked probably 80% of the jobs I showed up for. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a specific look, mm-hmm. you know, I was a commercial face for TV. I've done about 17 national and international commercials. And, uh, you know, I was a lingerie model and bikini model and at some point fitness, lots of fitness modeling, uh, fitness trade shows, but it was all through an agent like or agency, I should say. And then I had another agency called Pacific Model. So I was in the networking, but I always had a job, whether it was a waitressing job or I uh, used to do graphic design. My work was actually published on two covers of Architectural Digest. Um, so I, you know, I did my thing during the day and then I went and did graphic design at night. Mm. Um, so I always had specific security income coming in. Right. And, uh, you know, that gave me an opportunity to only choose jobs, modeling and acting that I want instead of being desperate and I need to do this for money. Mm-hmm. So I have no regrets um, because I never had to take a job that, you. that, you know, I was desperate for money I had to take when I know many girls did. Right. Well, there obviously is a dark side to modeling, even though there is a really, really big positive side to it. So what I'm curious to know, like some of the positive and negatives for you as far as your experience has been with modeling. Positives, um, many, very many. Mm-hmm. I think because I took it, I was always very professional, showed mm-hmm. up on time. Uh, people took me seriously and, and professional. Mm-hmm. I don't think I ever had a bad experience, I'll be honest with you. If anything, I like to remember my modeling days and all the models I work with because we we were just we were more about helping each other as women to with women than now. Now everybody's promoting, you know, women empowerment and, and helping each other to build each other up. But I feel it was even better back then. Uh, no jealousy. Um, I just had a very, very good time in during my modeling years. The negative, the, the only thing I can probably recall was some clients didn't pay you, obviously, for whatever reason. An agency, I felt, is always on the side of the client because they don't want to lose the client. Mm-hmm. They can lose you as a model because you're replaceable. There's a ton of you out there, but they don't want to lose the client. So, unfortunately, I felt the agency never had my back. If something happened and, you know, there was no paycheck, they were just like, well, let it go. You know, and I'm the one who did the job. They're just taking 10 to 20%, so it's easy for them, but I needed that money. So that that was probably one of the worst. And then, you know, lots of times I found myself uh, in the environment where when it comes to glam, that, you know, almost men trying to set you up with with rich men, you know, so we would go and host a, a party or something like that. And 
all of a sudden you're expected to go to a penthouse. Nothing happens there, but you know, you're expected to mingle right. with, with sleazy men. Mm. And I mean, you know, I just grabbed a cocktail and found a girl who feels the same way like me and we just <laughs> chit-chat the whole night. So yeah. it's not such a big deal. But I didn't like that hidden message and, and where you find yourself. And then some people after years seeing you in the in industry probably assume you're one of those girls. And I'm not. I just, I always hated it. But it was a job you showed up and you didn't have a choice. <laughs> right. Uh, Melinda, as, as a you know musician and singer-songwriter who's kind of, again, you, you are your business. Yeah. You, 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 yeah. You're, you're the, the product and you're putting yourself out there. What experiences have you had, if, if you don't mind sharing a few uh, no, negative I've, and positive of kind of in that pursuit? Absolutely. I mean, I think as a female in the industry, we definitely do deal with, unfortunately, men in power that almost kind of hint that there should be this sort of relationship between Quid you. Yeah. And, and it's unfortunate because there does come a time when you feel like it's not about your talent anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say that just like you, I'm a very positive person and I think I've attracted a lot of positivity in my life and my career as well. And I'm a firm believer in what you, what you talk about and what you think about is what you bring about. Mm -hmm. And I've tried to, um, you know, live my life that way. I also just don't go out. <laughs> I'm such a hermit. Like, I love staying home and just watching Netflix, chilling with my husband and my dog. So I kind of just don't surround myself in those. Um, I think the older I've gotten, I'm just like, I'm cool, like in bed at like 10, chilling, you know. So but when I was younger, I definitely uh, was exposed to, to those situations as well. But I think just being positive like you are it's it's allowed me to have positivity in my career for sure absolutely i think that you know it's it's one of those things where I, it does happen to guys there are, there's definitely moments that guys come up to things very similar to stuff like that oh i'm sure um but it definitely is way more prevalent uh, for women and, yeah. and and something that's easy for guys not to think of yeah that that, that you guys especially guys that don't do that it's hard for them to think oh that does happen yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's always important to to keep that in mind that and you know i've talked about with your co-host mm-hmm. that you know, you're wherever you're working, if it's casting, if it's a production office or if it's a actual set, that's your office. Yeah. And you need to treat it as such and treat everyone with the same respect yes. and treat them with as as equals and not bring any kind of personal relationship mm-hmm. or feelings into that business. And I think that's something that people just need to remember mm-hmm. and that it, it, don't be sleazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, I think it's yeah. okay if people naturally connect, right? You, oh, you're going to meet people that you kind of have attraction towards. And, no, absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. I, unfortunately, I never connected with anyone like that. So <laughs> I'm just doing my own things but, uh, on I my own. I think you're doing okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm doing okay. So, you know, good for those who did. Mm-hmm. So, what you know, modeling has always kind of fascinated me. So just, this is such a general question, but like, how do you model? Like what is, you know, when you're on a set and you're, you're, you're told, you know, look this way or act this way or have this emotion or, you know, make this expression, you know, what, how do you prepare yourself for that? What do you do when you're on set to give them that still moment or even on, you know, on camera when there's no words to give them that physical moment? It depends on, on a job, right? Because every job is different if it's TV. I mean, you always have to be on time. I think that's like the, the key. Please be respectful towards hair and makeup people or yes. anyone in the production. I sign that. Everybody yeah, I, works I can't, hard. Yeah, I can't stand people on the phone now or eating while they're getting makeup done. And it's just so absolutely disrespectful for people for, mm. for, towards the crew. And just 
be kind of quiet, you know, just, mm-hmm. just pay attention, observe, even if it's not your turn, mm-hmm. be present and involved in the, because this is a, a team effort, right? To whatever you're working on. If it's a catalog photo shoot, it's easy. You have a rack of clothes you put on. Uh, they tell you which one is next and and you just do your catalog poses right so <laughs> you need to remember it's about the clothes not you so no right. open mouth you know and blah blah so if you are modeling clothes make it about clothes open the clothes be aware of what you're wearing the garment and model that don't model yourself you're selling a product right if that. you are doing a photo shoot for a magazine where it's a pr for you then of course it's about you not about the clothes then you you know it's a different approach if it's a TV commercial, you know, it's, every job is very, very different. But right. the, there's always those fundamental basics like be on time, be respectful mm-hmm. towards every single person. Treat them with respect. Don't be a diva. Don't think because somebody's doing your makeup, they're your bitch. You know? <laughs> uh, I've Can seen, I've seen it so much. <laughs> yes. I've, I'm going to get that made for my makeup artist. Yeah, I've <laughs> seen it so much. Like I've a seen coffee it so mug. Much. No, yeah. right. But I have to co-sign with that because I think people don't realize that hair and makeup actually have the hardest job because one, if you don't make the model or the actress look how they want, they're going to be mad at you. But then crew gets mad at you because you're taking time to make the model or the actress look good. So it's like they're really in the middle and I always feel bad for them. So that's who I've make friends with first whenever I'm on set. And it's such a, it's such a detailed business because every little detail of that face and that hair and that outfit matters based on whatever it is you're selling or whatever the, the, the piece you're in, you know, whatever you're acting in, like every little bit matters, like how much, how bright the eyeshadow is or how bright the lips are, how crazy the hair is. Like it's all makes, it all comes together. That's I, the stress in that. Yeah. I can't oh, yeah. even imagine. And also when you come on a bigger set, especially like I would always talk to the sound guys yes. or, you know, yeah. the people behind the scenes that are running the show and, and just be kind, ask them about their life. If you're on the lunch break, you know, just, just don't be so disconnected. Like, Oh, I'm the talent. I'm the shit here. You know, mm-hmm. and that, that uh, I'm sound the only and one. Lighting, you don't sound and lighting. But just be human, but just be right. human and right. acknowledge everyone yeah. as an equal, uh, equally important element of the whole process of, of shooting and creating whatever it is. Right. Well, Brian Cranston from uh, Breaking Bad, he says he learns everybody's names on a set. He will so introduce cool. himself to everyone from the, the guy doing catering, to the light guy, to the sound guy, and he will, as best as he can, remember their names as much as possible because that's he just feels it's it's important for him, especially if he's the the lead actor on mm-hmm. a show. It's important for him. Same with uh, uh, Stephen Amell from Arrow. Mm. He, he and one of the things I listened to an interview recently with him. He's like, you don't realize you're everybody's job because if you're the star of this show, if you go down, wow. the show goes down. That's a really good point. And he's like, so you lead the, you, you lead this, this ship a little bit. And so it, it's important that you be that leader and learn everybody's mm-hmm. name. So everybody else follows. So cool. yeah, it's, it's the energy, right? We mm-hmm. bring in on mm-hmm. to the set and then, you know, it affects the overall outcome mm-hmm. of the project, I think. Mm-hmm. So how, how did, I want to kind of move into acting. How did you find acting and kind of find a love and a desire to kind of step into those shoes? I've always loved acting because I was in some plays as a child. Um, any, any particular ones that we... we Cinderella. We I love it. <laughs> this, this is back home. Right. You know, did, you, I, did you play Cinderella? I did. Nice. Yeah, I, love it. Uh, I, I like... Our second Cinderella. Yeah, and I would love going to lots of... Uh, to see plays. I mean, it's very uh, common back home that, you know, you as an even teenager, you go every six months to see some play, you know, and 
and it's kind of cultural thing or opera like we would go to see opera and I think that's kind of in you naturally and um when I came to Hollywood I mean I've always been a fan of American movies and shows so uh once I started modeling and and I went to a couple of castings that were commercials you know you kind of get exposed to it because modeling and acting go hand in hand mm-hmm. in at least in Hollywood mm-hmm. So you just kind of get pulled that direction naturally. Mm-hmm. What, do, what do you love about acting? What is it that kind of attracts you to it? Do you, is it being a different person? Is it, uh, you know, studying someone? Uh, what is it that, you know, f- fulfills you when you act? I love people. Mm-hmm. So I like um, interacting with people. And uh, I hate studying s- script mm-hmm. because I, I, I always get insecure that I'm going to forget something or right. then everybody's going to get mad. I haven't had that problem, but it's just one of my insecurities. But I just love, love being part of a team effort. You know, and acting is one of those. You you bounce off each other, like you you put yourself in the character. And I'm an extremely emotional person. And I believe that acting is very good for emotional people because you can really bring different types of emotions out of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember when I helped someone for the first time read a script just for him because he was in some movie, and he was so bad. <laughs> and, What's and, his full name and address? I, know, I forgot a long time ago. And he was so bad and he was just considering himself an actor yeah. and he's done projects. And, I'm, and I did such, I did much better job, I thought, mm-hmm. just playing around. And I'm like, oh, maybe I have it in me. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I just love working with people. And that's one thing I miss now because I run my own business and I miss being part of a team. Now I'm a boss and I feel you know, not so energized by the environment and stuff. It's, it's, it's a little difficult. I miss, I definitely miss doing more acting mm. and, and uh, group projects yeah. or even modeling, but just for that reason. Did you take any classes, acting classes back then? Yeah. <laughs> I, took, I took one workshop and mm-hmm. this is a funny story if you guys want to hear it. Yeah, I'd um, love to hear it. I got this lady who says she's going to represent me, one of the first agents before my official modeling agency. It was very, very brief. And uh, I couldn't make a casting because I had a job. I had to wait on tables and I couldn't pass on a job. So she dropped me right away. Like we just didn't even end up working. But I signed up for a workshop and I had to go because I paid for it, right? So I'm like, I was extremely discouraged, but I'm going to go to the workshop. I was, and I'm not kidding, I was the worst. Because that's like, my English was the worst, my accent and all these kids were perfect English and they they were already skilled actors and we had to do all these scenes and I had no clue what to do uh, just because I felt so insecure with improvising you know you had to be funny and I'm like I, I can barely speak English not to be like cracking jokes and stuff and I came so bad and then you always end up ended up watching your scene and I felt so embarrassed and I felt none of the kids wanted to be in a scene with me because we kept changing the groups and I understood, like, I, I don't make it, I don't help him, right? Like, I'm making it difficult for him. But at the end, we did four scenes. At the end, I ended up actually being decent, good. And I think the casting director or the lady who was doing the workshop called the agent. And I don't know what she said, but probably something with the pot- what potential I have because I came this and I, after eight hours left as this, and she called me and she wanted to take me back. You know, she must have said something very good. So that was the only workshop I ever done. I think the best practice is just, you know, just doing it. 
Yeah. You know, I knew I had sure. it in me. It's just my insecurities about the way I speak, about my accent. But if you get the right role where they kind of expect that from you, it gives you confidence. Mm-hmm. So I learned I just need to align myself with projects that fit me. And I'm not going to try to be sound like an American. Right. I'm not going to try to be something I'm not because it's almost impossible, right? So you just have to wait for the projects where it makes sense for you or align yourself with those. Well, I actually meant to ask when you moved here, did you, were you, did you speak English when you moved here or did you, you know, what was, what was the language barrier for you when you moved here? It was major because I only had my uh, pocket dictionary, which was mm-hmm. British English. Hello, Mr. Smith. Hello. How do you do? <laughs> can I buy tr- trousers? No. And you know, the <laughs> British vocabulary. Where is the loo? And, and, I, and I remember like at the very beginning, I'm like, walking out of the complex where I was staying and this guy goes like, Hey, what's up? <laughs> oh my gosh. And I'm like, Good and, day I, to yourself. And, I, <laughs> and I didn't know what to say. I'm looking up like, what's up? <laughs> what does he mean? What's oh, up? Like, wow. this is a riddle. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what is up? I, I never read that in my pocket right. dictionary. You know, I'm like, what is up? And I, I had no idea what he's saying. And I heard that over and over. Hey, what's up? I'm like, what is that? Like I should say, hello. How do you do? You know, wow. so the English barrier was huge, you know, and you'll never be when once you come here in your 20s with without speaking the language. I don't know how 100 percent you can ever become. Right. But I work on it every day and I, every day I learn some words and I read my own magazine and I read uh, other websites. And I always oh, what is this word? I never heard that before. You know, yeah. you talk politics, there's different sort of vocabulary. You talk about houses and, you know, floors and um materials you know there's a whole set of vocabularies Mm -hmm. trees you know i don't know how you say different trees in english right Mm -hmm. because those are the words you don't use on daily basis like i know them in my language but i know the tree but what do you call it in english right you know things like that you know different cupcakes and (laughs) flavors (laughs) and flowers that's the most important thing Uh, yeah you know flowers like like there's so many words we don't use on daily basis and and you always run into some of those you know to be fair i'm learning new words all the time (laughs) (laughs) thank you well you know it's english uh, the english language or the american english language is pretty much a borrowed language yes from all over Uh, french words english words uh you know things that we've formed and taken just like texas has rome texas paris texas we've taken from other places yeah. so and they people say English. keep adding new words yeah right? every yeah, every like, other year there's like, new like words fetch. like yeah absolutely yeah. always and they slay. say slay <laughs> oh seriously slay. i can't keep up with like the, the new like slang i'm yeah. like i don't yeah. know or a stan so has yeah, become what is a term. that is it super fan yeah super fan how do you get super fan stan because uh, eminem song stan is where it comes from, where he taught, where it's about, where it's, where it's a, a super fan writing I him, and so now it's, it's become a term like that's a stand. Yeah, like, you see, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. um, I can never catch. But that's why I say English is the hardest language <laughs> to really learn is. because we have eight different yours, we have twenty different <laughs> versions of how to say the the. You don't know, is it there, pop? Is it yeah. soda? Is it cola? Is it coke? Oh, is yeah. it aunt? Is it aunt? Is it auntie? You know, every it's 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 a macabre of words. Has its own. Oh yeah, it's region. There's there's literally like generators online where you pick you say you pick how you guess and they guess where you're from like you pick how you oh, say yeah, things and, yeah, and, and the sentence from. structure here is different than Very in europe so. what yeah, sentence structure yeah. yeah i'm curious can you do an american accent no <laughs> <laughs> i wish i really I wish yeah i was curious i really <laughs> wish but you know i know i know women uh, with a similar background mm-hmm. who came here also as an adult and they worked so hard on it they mm-hmm. signed up for 
uh, accent reduction classes mm-hmm. and they can fool you for about eight seconds. <laughs> and then they're, what, wait, 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 what was that? Are you not from here? You yeah. know, like yeah. you can fool people probably with one or two sentences and that's it. And that's it. It, it doesn't like, at least you got a what's up because here in America, we love to shorten things as much as possible because oh, yeah. we are lazy. So you could have easily gone to sup. Yeah. And be like, I don't know. So, but then I'm not a lady because I feel like I want to be a lady oh, and I want to sound so proper funny. and nice and respectful uh, and soft. I, pre- I like, appreciate that. Like Sometimes it's like, just talk like a human being right. to me. Right. Don't call me a stan. Hey guys, the life of an actor in this town can be so hectic, so busy. And during all of that, I need to have a website that reflects me and my brand and is something that I can show to casting agents and directors. Well, radportfolios.com is a company that was built by actors for actors. They will create you an amazing website that captures you, your brand, and they do it for a monthly fee of $99. But there's a startup cost. Well, they are offering our listeners today a 50% discount off of the startup cost. Use our code word HUSTLE. H-U-S-T-L-E to get 50% off of the startup cost. That way you can have an amazing and incredible looking website that you can show off in your next meeting with an agent or if you're meeting with a casting director, you can tweet out to the world, hey guys, check out my brand new website. Everyone will want to go check out your work because it will look amazing and it will represent you. So keep on auditioning, keep working on those lines, and know that you're taken care of by Rad Portfolios. So you can get back to getting booked. So I want to talk about it. Let's fast forward a little bit. So you, you've built this uh, online magazine, uh, uh, v, uh, Viva Glam magazine. I keep wanting to put La in there, Viva La Glam. Everyone Viva does, Glam, yeah. yeah. I don't I'm know sure. why. So where did this idea come about? How did you get it? You know, what were the first steps to kind of start building this brand? It was in 2012. Mm-hmm. And um, I figured I'm getting a little bit older. And I need to figure out how I can combine everything I've learned, whether it's the graphic design, makeup, modeling. I even did a, a PR for some of the talent here in LA for a short period of time. And I feel like I've done so much, like how can I take everything and put it under one roof and, and actually have a career, uh, longevity and, and income. And also I was always thinking, what if I have to ever move back home? And unless I physically show up to, let's say, do modeling or acting or even uh, makeup, I was doing makeup in Hollywood. If I don't show up, I don't get paid. So how can I have some kind of a uh, income where I, I'm making money while I'm sleeping? And I'm no matter where I am in the world, I can have this income because what if I have to go home? My parents get sick. Who's going to take care of them? I have to go home. I love my parents. So all these ideas came around the 2012 when a blog started becoming very popular and everybody was starting a blog. Everybody was getting on the Internet a little bit. And uh, I told myself, let me let me start a blog. And I just always loved magazines. I was, you know, I'm the 90s girl and I, I love all those cosmos and everything that was, you know, fashion and stuff. Did you have like the magazine basket at home? Like the something that you kept all your magazines in? Like we had, we had like this weird like 
like would look like an old fruit basket that my mom would keep yeah, all of her yeah. magazines. I, I um, ended up having that once I was in magazines. <laughs> so then I started collecting those. But just I, I've always loved the digital world. I thought the Internet is amazing. Um, and I just, you know, wanted to have a blog or website. And, and somebody told me, why don't you create a magazine? And I'm thinking that's not a bad idea because everybody's doing a blog. And if I want to take it a a notch up, like I need to do something else. So I'm like, I'll do a digital magazine. I know graphic design. I can I can put a magazine together and design a digital magazine. Uh, I can showcase my beauty work and, and everything I want, feature people. And I knew so many models who are dying to be featured or be shot. And my boyfriend is a photographer. So like we would have this little production going. So I started um, that, but then once I was a digital magazine and we had some online presence, uh, I felt that's not even enough because there's not enough advertisers putting money behind these blogs and websites. And somebody said, why don't you do a physical magazine? So I actually, in the following year, ended up making, creating a physical magazine, which was still, which is still my favorite issue because it's so rich i wish i brought it but i have like four left so it's like a treasure <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. it's like a treasure and and everybody just loved that magazine because it was kind of very colorful and happy and uplifting and had almost like a story to it and just people felt good they called it feel good magazine because you open it you get to you know pull into this world of beauty and good information and stories and and uh, we would end up with inspirational stories. You close it and you feel good. You feel like you learn a lot. You got empowered and, and all that stuff. So that led me to making, because then advertiser would be like, well, we want more issues than just one a year. So then we ended up doing two issues a year, then three issues a year. Now we're back to one because the industry keeps changing and we've been around for six years. But the to answer your question more in a simple, simple way is uh, the blogs were huge and becoming something at that time i was about to say you probably got on that cusp when blogs were really starting to become professional yes it was before instagram became big it was just blogs it was google presence Mm -hmm. so so i just wanted to put everything i've learned into under one roof and have and make money while i'm sleeping it's amazing i love that i I love the style of it i was looking at it uh just again earlier today and it's it has such because i know it talks about how it's kind of like new world meets old hollywood Mm -hmm. in a lot of way and you definitely see that where it's not overwhelming with just like beauty but it's just like we're it just really brings you in and you're just like i just want to keep scrolling and i just want to keep looking at these gorgeous pictures and and looking at some of these articles on there and it's a it's a very it's a very well done website thank you on one hand i'm very i am inspired by the old hollywood and and the silver screen era and classic beauty classic glam and elegance and fashion so that's a big part of who i am and then another part of me i love evolution and i love uh what we're doing with you know elon musk for example and i love vegan movement because i do believe you know we should eat plants and and at least a majority of our diets should be plants even if you're not a vegan so i like exposing people to this newer information but still looking classically beautiful i think that's how we could summarize it and it's a lifestyle magazine uh I think sometimes it's better if you are just beauty, let's say, or just travel or just this and that, because then you have very specific audience. But I feel like life is about so much more than just beauty. 
And I know that's my strong side because women always liked, uh, you know, the the physical appearance and makeup I used to do and all that stuff. But I just feel, I don't want to say it's shallow because I, I don't think it's shallow, but just to do that, it's not fulfilling for me. Mm-hmm. And I like to travel and I'm very worldly and I feel like I have so much knowledge from around the world and I can bring that information to American readers and global readers. So to me, having a lifestyle where it's about beauty, fashion, you know, of healthy food, organic wellness, and a spiritual side and travel. I mean, it, it, that's what makes me happy. And we do have a couple of different demographics. We have young girls who are in their 20s who are vegans. And then we have women who love glam between 25 and 45, and they like the aesthetics. So, you know, that's that's what Viva Glam is. I love that. Now, just, just a fun fact, and if, if I hope you don't mind, if you think you're vegan, uh, Katarina changed her name, her last name, so that it used to be separated with the ham and dur. Yes. <laughs> she actually changed it so the ham would not be by itself. Oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> so wow. Can, and so you think you're I vegan. Love that. That's vegan. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that a, is very that vegan. Is I've been vegan for 12 years. So, oh, yes, I'm right there with you. Amazing. Yeah, <laughs> Vanderham should be spelled Van Der Ham. Mm-hmm. And which means literally from pork. Yeah. And you're like, you know, no. uh, and I'm like, hey, there's no way I'm going to call <laughs> myself pork. But That's I like amazing. the name because I, I, I think I mentioned that before um, the other day. I oh, I was inspired by Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I just thought his name is so sexy yeah. and he was so he gorgeous. And, uh, and the splits. <laughs> so many splits. And he was just so charming. So I wanted some similar name. Mm-hmm. And Katherine is so long, so I needed even longer last name. Right. Uh, and Vanderham, just kind of Katharina Vanderham sounded good, but the ham bothered oh. me. So I made it Vanderham. Right. I love that. Well, Michael did the same thing. He hates running and he used to be Luth Ran and he... Dad jokes. <laughs> I love that. I know you're dying over there. <laughs> so, how long did it take you to acclimate to being a CEO and the editor in chief of your own magazine? Because that's kind of a big jump, and the learning process probably was. You know what? It was pretty easy at the beginning okay. because I was on my own for for about three years, and I didn't know everything about running a business so obviously you didn't know everything right off the bat I know. yeah i didn't yeah what kind of i didn't CEO are you? I, ex- I have higher expectations of myself because i actually went to a business school back in europe and but you know business changes and you're in a different country it's very different here too but then um you know i got partners after about three years and now i'm a real ceo where it's all about the numbers and it's all about meeting projections and it's all about the excel spreadsheets and all of a sudden, the creative, which I feel I excel at, is on the side, and I had to hand it over to other people, and I have to be a CEO. And it's not easy. It's it's the least fun part. It's very very difficult, and it, it's very stressful. Oh, yeah. I think that's how I, I like. I just wish I could just do the creative parts because the other stuff just. And and, and uh, I think many people who come to LA were very creative. We, we come here to chase our dreams. Um, you know, be in the entertainment industry, whether as a talent or creative. Uh, and you know, you go to New York if you want to be a CEO of a company, right? Like it's just a different, different uh, setup here. Um, and it's just hard. It's just very hard to combine and do both. Right. Uh, Melinda, I want to just kind of real quick, you know, again, being a singer and kind of being your own brand, do you, have you ever kind of felt that way? Like I'm the CEO of my 
self and my own company like how do you always how do you how do you like what's your approach to that as you kind of maneuver through the I, industry no for sure i think one of the reasons why i've been able to get the things that i've gotten is because i do approach it like a business like i sing i've, I've always sung that's not going to go anywhere knock on wood uh, <laughs> but um i think that it is easy to focus on the creative because that's the fun part. That's what you want to do. That's your career. But if you don't figure out, okay, how am I going to get this amount of people to a show or how am I going to get these amount of sales for something? You have to think of it as a business and it sucks. I'm not even going to act like it doesn't no, suck. No, it's the worst. It does. <laughs> I, I, I hate spreadsheets, but I have to do them. I hate, you know, the emails. I hate the formalities Texas. of it, all of it, you know, <laughs> but you're not going to get the success you want in your career until you figure out how to do that business aspect of it. No, absolutely. So uh, kind of for both of you ladies, uh, how, you know, with Instagram becoming bigger uh, and all these other, you know, websites that are more uh, picture based and, 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 and are, are becoming bigger in the advertising game. How have you guys adjusted to that? And how do you use sites like Instagram and Twitter to promote your, uh, your, your work? Sure. Um, for me personally, I've, I don't actually promote my music on Instagram, which is interesting. Is that, is that a choice or is it that is just something choice. you don't like doing? It is it? a choice. I do like every maybe 20 posts because I think what I've realized with social media is people want to feel like they know you mm -hmm. and personally, and they don't want it to seem like you're just like shoving down their throats, what your business is and what you do. I mean, it's probably a little different for a magazine, but when you're, I'm just like a solo artist. So for me, like I'll post a picture, but with like an inspirational quote or I'll ask a question that gets people engaged and then I'll be like owned by my CD you know <laughs> and then they're more inclined to honestly check just that out just sitting on the beach listening to my new album you know what I mean but, it, but it's true so for me I think that's been the fun thing with social media is kind of engaging in a personal way so mm -hmm. that people feel like they're getting to know me and then they realize oh she's a singer too let me check out her music right. also so an, a natural yeah. extension absolutely that'll, that'll lead absolutely. To it. absolutely absolutely how about you Katarina so I went from 100,000 followers on Instagram to 500 mm. within two months. And the reason is because my Instagram account got hacked at the end of August and Instagram was never able to recover it. I was blackmailed by the hackers. They wanted money, didn't pay them. The account is gone. And I even finally got a hold of someone over at Instagram through my connections. And it's just unrecoverable. So I don't rely on social media. I think Google is still Google. Uh, lots of PR, having your own website, having your own blog, being, being, being relevant on Google. I know Facebook, which means also Instagram, is trying to become Google. They want to be bigger, bigger than Google because Facebook is its own search engine. But I think we're still a little far from it. It might happen eventually, but I think still Google has a better presence and is more respected. We can trust you know, uh, Facebook. And here's an example. The security is down completely. How can, how, how come they cannot recover my account from a backup? I even told them, go back to the backup. I have media company. We have a backup of the site. I can go back days ago and pull information out from before the date I got hacked, but they can't. So I can't rely on that because although my engagement is actually higher now with having only 500 followers because I have the same amount of comments than when I had 100,000 and I have higher engagement, way higher than when I had 100,000 people. And maybe it is because now all those 500 people feel super connected to me because, you know, we're small community, right? Versus when you become too big, unless you're famous, they might not relate to you because you can get back to them. 
uh, and I and I do like to promote my work, but you're right. It's more about, you know, who you are, what you do, and what you're eating uh, than, hey, I have a new hosting gig because that doesn't get so much, uh, you know, so much interaction than if I just post a selfie. Selfies, yeah. the closer Huge. yeah, <laughs> the closer your face <laughs> they see, the better. Right. You know, and I just need to take a picture of my beard. That's that's my, should be that'll, that's that's the that'll winner. Get him. Uh, so you have now if if that's not enough, you, you have the modeling and the acting, and you have your magazine. If that's not enough, you also are building your own beauty brand called Glamour Garden. Uh, where did the name come from? How you know was was this kind of just that natural next step from after putting the magazine where you know you as you said you you love beauty and and fashion and and the lifestyle. Was that just kind of something you've always wanted to do that you finally got the opportunity to do? Uh, I, I never knew I could have a makeup line or any beauty products when I was younger. But as I was living here in Hollywood and I saw how other women make it happen, yes, it became my dream. I love beauty. I've always loved makeup and fabulous hair and all that stuff. And I, and I think it's very natural for women like that. And I used to do makeup in the Hollywood industry. So I, of course, dream about my own products, not for my own ego, but I just feel like I have my own uh, version of what I think it's beautiful. I don't like the fact that, you know, in America, unfortunately, it's more about the quantity and and not quality because the packaging has become so simple on the makeup palettes, for example. It's just the same black packaging with the magnet and some writing on it. And that's what goes. But I want to put so much uh, artistic input into creating my packaging and, and make it very luxury looking, you know. Um, and you know, but to get it out there because your price point, you can compete with the price point of the cheaper brands. It's very difficult because people just go, what's cheap? Or if you're a celebrity like Kim Kardashian, they're going to buy whatever. They don't care what it looks like, right? But if you're someone who has these aesthetics and the price point is a little bit higher, it's very hard to sell it. But yes, if I should think of myself, the one goal I really, really want to still achieve, I would love to have a big makeup brand seed and sephora or ulta and i would love to share it because i have certain vision my uh, garden in my house looks very glamour garden and uh, as i mentioned before uh, we started the interview my house looks kind of uh, is very inspired by chateaus and, and castles and even my garden looks like that so i want to share it with women because i think it's feminine beautiful it's magical uh, it takes you away from the everyday harsh reality of negative social media or whatever you deal with. I think there's just so, so much beauty in, in uh, this romance and romantic approach and florals that I would like to share it with women. I feel good when I have it or see it. I want other women to feel as good as I do because I go through hard times. Mm -hmm. I have a very stressful job. And when I sit down at my vanity and I see my Glamour Garden products and the lace and the brooch and, and the florals and... It's just very happy and it's vegan, it's cruelty-free and it's luxurious too. And it's very good quality. So I, I hope women can recognize it and, and kind of take that journey. So that's one of my big goals. Right, yeah. nice. I love that. And I think there should be more cruelty-free makeup because there really isn't that many brands that are cruelty-free and completely vegan. So I hope yep. that... Yeah. I, I hope and you get into Sephora as well. <laughs> thank you. And that's even tricky too because as you know, like, you know, lots of these components are coming from China even though makeup is... The product, final product, is not tested on animals. Mm -hmm. The ingredients might be. Because if you get the ingredients from China, they are most likely tested on animals. But there's still, 
you know, to go around it and you get the stamp of cruelty free, even though you're not technically fully. But we have to have hope that it's going to keep changing. And there's lots of groups that are fighting this. And and I see a, a progress, huge, huge progress. So I, I, I believe it's going to get really, really good within a few years. Nice. Um, so it's kind of, again, for both of you ladies, you know, uh, we, we live in an interesting time and we've talked about it several times on this uh, podcast where uh, the, the, the rise, uh, a new women's movement and the rise of Me Too and Time's Up and, and, and finally people are being heard about respect and equal pay and, and, and closing even the pay gap even more. Um, as two you know, women who are in charge of your own businesses, uh, you know, what, what do you guys feel we could do as to keep though, to keep opportunities open for women and to make more opportunities for women at, you know, what, what is not the answer, but what are some things in businesses people can do to, or to make sure there are w- opportunities for women to be equal and same where you live kind of an equal balanced society. Women need to create those opportunities for women. I think women need to create those opportunities, but lots of times, trust me, I've been around for a while. Women don't want to help women as much as everybody's trying to shout like, oh, you know, you know, build each other up and and women's empowerment. I've been seeing firsthand that women look at me and they don't want to help me. They don't want to work with me because they feel intimidated. They don't want to uh, they don't want their husbands to be around me. So women like to help predominantly women who are like them. The minute you're different or maybe uh, you get more spotlight or something like that. They don't want to help you. I worked with celebrities who wouldn't want to help me because they told me if I knew what you look like before I hired you, I would not never hire you. You know, so women are helping women that they feel equal with. And I don't think that's fair from women. Uh, so, but going back to the question, we need to create more opportunities for women. But I think the first step is women need to stop being catty and And jealous and and comparing and competitive and judgmental. I remember a comment from a woman who said she would never buy my beauty products because I look like Melania Trump. You know, but this is a feedback. This is a comment a woman leaves. I'm like, where is the woman's empowerment? You should should look at my products, see if you like them. And if you do and you like the message behind it, get it. If If it doesn't resonate with you, you don't. But women can be really harsh. Yeah. I, I can co-sign with that. I've definitely had experiences with uh, women feeling jealous because I've succeeded or or accomplished something. But I, I think you're very right. You're very right. I think that um, if we, for me, the tribe that I have, I've found a lot of positive women to surround myself with. And the ones that haven't worked out, I've just let them go. And that's what you have to do. You just have to keep those good people in your life. And I, and I did too, but they all end up being so busy with their own mm. brands now that, mm-hmm. you know, I know they're there and they know I'm there. Yeah. But to make time or do something, you know, it's just incredible difficult. Like right. just people don't have time. If you're in L.A. at least, no, that's, that's where everybody's chasing their dreams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a struggle. The independent yeah, dream yeah. is the obstacle for everybody else's yes. dream. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Nobody wants to work for your dreams. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's that thing like, hey, we should work together. Oh, great. I have a movie. Oh, I have a movie too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, which one are we going to do? Right. Are we going to do by, uh, oh, right. come on. Like, right. yeah, that's a continual struggle here. And yeah. I think, and I feel like there is some similarities there with guys because you, it, it may not be looks based as much, but there is this um, competitive nature in guys to want to be the best, to be the quote unquote alpha uh, of the group. And if you're someone who cannot 
find a balance between leading and following and relinquish that feeling of I've got to be in charge. I've got to, I've got to make the decisions and I've got to be the guy that's leading the charge. Then you're, you're never going to be able to collaborate successfully with someone. You have to be able to not only talk, but listen and find compromise. It's something we've talked several times and I've mentioned before, like when I, I started working with Michael and previous people that I've worked with, that's the first thing I tell people is I'm not going to work with you if you're not willing to compromise. And I, because I'm willing to compromise and, and, and I think it's, it is a different balance. There's more things that I think women f- deal with each other over, but, uh, uh there, there definitely is some of that with guys as well, especially if you have a kick and beard like <laughs> I do, man, they get jealous. I think, I've, I've seen it too. For sure. Yeah, for I've sure. Seen it, yeah. I think the other thing, and I think this is why I kind of feel connected to you in a little bit is when you're confident in yourself, you don't feel that need to want to compete with anybody you want to help others so I think for me and clearly with you as well when you're confident in what you're doing you're proud of where you are in your life you're willing to give back and willing to pay it forward but some people that aren't there yet that's why they feel the need to compete and yes and I think it's yeah. also I agree 100% also if you're unhappy in your life yeah, yeah. whatever it is it's hard to be happy for others for sure. because Absolutely. because you're so miserable so yes. I understand but yeah. I think people should never go out and just uh let the frustration out uh, uh, in the form of bullying or leaving yeah, negative agree. comments you know I still think that saying you know if you have nothing good to say don't say anything yeah. I think yeah. should still be Agreed. in place you know? there, there, for me there's and I think I'm uh, my can contest with this, uh, especially doing this podcast. And I'm sure Melinda doing this podcast, yeah. doing her own podcast <laughs> can understand is there's no better feeling than reaching out to somebody you don't know and saying, Hey, I have this thing. It's, it's something that I've been working on and, and we're 20 episodes in and I would love to have you come on and just talk about what mm. you're doing. And would you be willing to come on the show? You don't know me. I've never met you in real life, <laughs> uh, but this is what the show is. And I'd love for you to come on. And when they reply, like, I would love to come on there's no better feeling of not only success, like, all right, I've, I've booked a spot. I don't have to worry about that spot anymore, but it's also like, thank you. Like, thank you for not being someone that's like, well, you only have like you know, 20 episodes. And right. Like, what is, I've like never this heard many of you. Followers like, yeah, you only have like this many followers on your, yeah. it's, it's, there's something about that that is so refreshing of people just being willing to give their time. And on the opposite, somebody reaching out to you and you going, yeah, absolutely. I'm more than happy to help. There's that, an equal feeling there of I don't mind helping someone else. If someone reaches out, I, I want to help people. Kind of like you said, I want to, I want to give back. I want to help people wherever I can. And those, I think those feelings are very equal and it just, it feels good for someone to not have that like me, me, me competitive attitude and be like, absolutely. I would love to come on to your show and actually be sincerely excited about it. Yeah, because at the end of the day, it's about meeting new people, talking. It doesn't matter how much traffic I'm going to get from it necessarily. Um, but, you know, just 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 meeting people and you always learn something, right? And, and you you have this new experience from it. And I think that's what it's about. You know, so many models. Oh, if I don't get the cover, I'm not doing a photo shoot for the inside of the magazine or stuff like that. I'm like, all right. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Really, that cover is that much. I mean, yes, it is a lot if you if you get that. But I think the experience of the photo shoot and meeting people and still getting your name out there uh, is is equally important, you know. Well, uh, to kind of slowly, kind of, we've been talking for a while now to it's kind of wrap things up a little bit. Uh, Already, <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know. Well, first of all, you know, you're our first. You know, we've had people 
uh, who have moved to LA from Georgia, from North Carolina, Maine, uh, Vancouver. Uh, you know, we've had people move all over the U.S. and the the North American continent. Uh, you're our first kind of across the pond. Uh, someone that's moved over here from a completely different country and a different area. Um, and that's so fascinating because, you know, it's one level to move from South Georgia to Los Angeles. It's a whole different thing to move from Czechoslovakia, yeah. especially like <laughs> right. Soviet Union, Czechoslovakia to L.A. Uh, what advice would you give not only people maybe from South Georgia that moved to L.A., but someone that's maybe living because we have people who listen in Austria and Australia and Japan and uh, Afghanistan. Um, what advice would you give them uh, who live across the world for moving to not only the, you know Los Angeles, but maybe the US? Any piece of advice you'd offer them? Learn the language. Mm -hmm. I think the language barrier is the key, I mean, to overcome. So learn the vocabulary, try to learn the American culture as mm -hmm. soon as you can, because um, if you can fit in, uh, you won't be able to do business. You won't be able to sell yourself. And and I know so many people who come here and they refuse to leave the American culture. They just want to be here and, you know, live in California or whatnot. Uh, and they don't care about, like, connecting. I think it's so important to connect with the environment and people and understand each other. And that's what's going to help you to get forward because, you know, People will recognize it and, and, and will push you. So language, language, language. Obviously, from, if you're from Australia, bingo, you, you have it easy already. <laughs> but if you're from uh, a country that, you know, is, you know, maybe Germany even or Poland or Austria or, or those countries, uh, you have to you have to learn the culture. Try to understand instead of judging, because that's mm. what happens a lot. You come yeah. from the opposite culture you, you end up judging people and and kind of talking bad about them mm. and criticizing because they do this this way and you think you're better because that's what you were taught right growing up by your parents and it's hard to abandon your own culture lots of times and disagree with it because then you start judging your parents and you might go through that so try not to judge and accept it for what it is because it is what it is and just connect with it so so culture and and don't judge, just yeah. just go Sound with it. Advice. And okay. uh, uh, just kind of two more things. What what advice would you give for aspiring models out there who are looking to get into the business and and be stay well and healthy in the business? Gosh, modeling has changed so much. <laughs> so, you know, like I I want to say get a good agent, but I don't even know if you need it these days because of the social media. Right. Um, <laughs> I think but, even then there's still, you know, there's social media influencer agents. Yeah. Yes. So, now, is, now yeah. big agencies have, yeah. the, but you have to have lots of followers for yeah. that. Right. Oh, yeah. And many girls don't, and they want to be models and we do run model contests. And actually the winner of our last model search is going to be flown to Thailand in January. I can't wait to go. I know. <laughs> we're, 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 Congratulations. Thank you. Y'all you. didn't know that's why I brought her on. Your, your bikini shot was the I, oh one that made gosh. it. Yeah. Um, you know, just just try to align yourself or, or enter these contests because there's some good ones, legit ones, like Sports Illustrated now is mm -hmm. opening up to average type of women. Uh, before it was just you had to have certain height and stuff. Um, you know, Sports Illustrated, what, what's the other company? Like Victoria's Secret, uh, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Maxim, I think, is having... Maxim, like all these legit companies do contests. Try to enter those. Even if you don't win, you might get noticed. Exposure. You know, exposure. Yeah. Don't, don't try to be desperate and 
uh, enter some photographer's workshop contest mm-hmm. or something that, that is not legit or is fishy because you can end up in, in really tough situations. Uh, and just keep pushing, keep pushing, yeah. uh, you know, see maybe what's to, what you're lacking, you know, maybe work on yourself, be, be um, critical with yourself. It's yeah. okay in a healthy way. Like, don't be full of yourself, out yeah. of yourself. Like, oh, I'm great. I'm the best. And you're not. Yeah. It's okay to say you're not because you can be. For sure. If you if you admit it to yourself, um, so probably creating your own content because you have some creating your own content. Yeah, now. creating yeah. your own content. But modeling, I think now is more difficult than back then because it was so focused years ago. Where you go to castings, there's certain casting directors they know you, they request you, and all that stuff. Now there's so much talent like there's so many Mm. people everybody on social media is a talent and the industry is oversaturated and half of these girls who girls who claim to be models are nothing but let's say escorts or or they just hang out with uh, with you know certain people it's not modeling you know they're just hiding behind Mm -hmm. it so the true models will always try to be legit align themselves with legit people but it's more difficult because it's oversaturated, but you can do it if you're good and if if you want it, if you want it badly, you will get it. You will get there. It's just the power of mind, believing in yourself, and you can do it. Yeah. And and any advice for uh, aspiring entrepreneurs that want to start their own businesses or you know uh, their own online brands uh, and things like that? Get ready, Michael. <laughs> uh, love money. You have to. You, you have to. <laughs> and be willing to separate with it as well. You know what I I always had a funny relationship with money because I learned to be happy without it, right? Mm. On the other hand, in business, it's kind of tough. If you do it just purely out of passion, people say, if you love it, you'll succeed. Mm, I don't know if it's so much true. You have to uh, have your goal to make money with business. That's why it's a business. Right. You, your goal should be to to make money, not change the world, which should be part of it. And that should be your mission. But But you have to have healthy relationship with money. Uh, and that's what I learned the hard way. So, and again, you can do anything. You know, you can do mm-hmm. anything if you want it. Just, just have the right relationship with money. Absolutely. That's great. Well, uh, Melinda, first of all, thank you so much of for course, joining us today. It's been a pleasure me. to have you and I hope to have you on the other side <laughs> yes. uh, uh, soon to have you as a guest and, yeah. and get to know your story. And thank you for sharing your insights today. Uh, where can people find you and follow you and, and see what you're doing? Absolutely. So you can follow me just at Melinda Hale, M-A-L-Y-N-D-A-H-A-L-E on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I keep it simple. And <laughs> our podcast as well as Boss Please Pod. And it's so great. We've had Jillian and Megan on yeah. before and, and you want to feel it. They, when I, what I love is that you guys have your interview episodes, mm-hmm. but you also have these episodes where you guys just kind of boss confidential yes. where you guys pick a topic mm-hmm. and for about maybe 11 minutes, yeah. you just talk about it yeah. and you just kind of uh, chat about it. And, I, yeah. and some of those topics are really important. Oh, so definitely you. check out Boss Please. Thank it's a you. great podcast. They were awesome ladies. Uh, before we wrap up with you, Katerina, before we started, I asked you for six numbers. Uh, between 1 and 167. <laughs> you don't know what these are about. Uh, before Facebook and after Friendster, there was a beautiful place called MySpace. And people would go there and they'd <laughs> waste time with quizzes and waiting for stupid songs to load Making on people's profiles. Yes, <laughs> getting in fights with people over your top friends list. And again, like I said, one of these things that people would waste time on are quizzes. And these were before BuzzFeed, so there were no results to these quizzes. It was just, who are you quizzes? And I found a 167 question quiz that has 
just random questions on it. Now, I'm not giving you every 167 questions. That's why I asked you to pick six <laughs> numbers. But uh, the best part about this, and this is the one rule of this game, no explanation. Because it's just funnier when there's no explanation <laughs> for any of your answers. So, Katarina Van Durham, are you ready for your MySpace quiz? Yes, I am. <laughs> Bring it on. I love MySpace. Okay, question one. What was the last beverage you drank? Coffee. All right, there you go. Uh, next question. Have you ever been cheated on? Yes, I have. Next question. Have you kissed anyone on your friends list? Now, I'm assuming they mean MySpace friends list, but you could also go Facebook. Or yes, Instagram. and I made love to them, and it was amazing. <laughs> I ended up traveling, and my, uh, MySpace is amazing. <laughs> uh, do you tan a lot? I do. All right. Are you afraid of the dark? I am not. All right. And see, this is great. It's just a short answer. And the final question of your MySpace quiz, have you ever had a crush on someone at work? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> well, there you go. I and again, that. I ended up kissing him. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> and traveling. And traveling. Yeah. And that's true. That's oh true. Well, I thank you so much for playing along with us. You have been a fantastic guest. Your story is Remarkable. Uh, where can people find more information about you or you know, see what you're up to and keep up with you? I always like to send everyone to my official website because that's like a directory to my social media. Right. And as you see, sometimes your social media can be gone overnight. Right. So, you know, the only place uh, and true source that's updated is your website where mm -hmm. you can always direct people to your new social media right. accounts in case you, it's, it has changed. Right. So it's uh, my website, which is KatarinaVanderham.com. K-A-T-A-R-I-N-A-V-A-N-D-E-R-H-A-N.com. <laughs> and uh, if you want to kind of see some of the behind the scenes of the work at Glam, there's a docu-series on YouTube called The 90s Girl, uh, where you see a little bit of Katarina's work and uh, what they're doing at the magazine. Definitely check out Viva Glam. Uh, it's a gorgeous online magazine. And also Glamour Gardens, uh, where you can get some of uh, Katarina's products and see what she's working on. Uh, Katarina, once again, thank you so much. You've been incredibly fantastic. Uh, we always wrap up our shows uh, with a, a, a slogan, a tagline that we have uh, to kind of inspire people to keep working and keep dreaming, which is keep up the hustle. So we'd love everybody to say it with me as we wrap this up, uh, this incredible interview. So I'll count to three, and then we'll just say keep up the hustle as a nice motivational thing. So one, two, three. Keep, keep up, up the, the hustle. hustle. Back to you guys in the studio. Hey, League of Hustle, welcome back. Michael here. I hope you enjoyed our interview with Katarina Van Durham. We covered so much, and I can't wait to hear from you guys about what you thought about this interview. What are your big takeaways from Katarina's journey? What stood out to you? Please send us your thoughts and questions. We'd truly, truly love to hear from you. If you're tuning in on Anchor, remember, you can send us a voice message. We'll include it in next week's side hustle, and we'll respond directly to what you have to say. And of course, written messages are gladly accepted as well. You can send those on social media. Again, on Instagram, we are at Hollywood Hustle Podcast. And on Twitter, we are at LA Hustle Cast. You can also follow us individually on our platforms. I'm at Michael Lutheran and Daniel is at Daniel Tuttle, T-U-T-T-E-L. And that's on Instagram and Twitter. Melinda is at Melinda Hale on all platforms as well, including Spotify. Check out her music. Whoop, whoop. And for more info on this week's guest, you can check out her website, which is www.katarinavandurham.com. 
Hustle.com. This episode was brought to you by Team Hustle. Daniel Tuttle is our executive producer. And Michael Lutheran, hey, that's me, is our podcast editor. We are also on the lookout for a third member to be a part of our team. So if you or, or someone you know who is an artist here in Los Angeles and would like to contribute to the show as a co-host and as a team member, please send us your resume and links to your work to hollywoodhustlepodcast at gmail.com. Join us next week for another side hustle in which Daniel and I will be checking in with one another, checking in on our journeys. We'll also be sharing our reactions to Katarina's interview and preview our next guest. So do not miss out, guys. It shall be fun. Thank you so much for joining us this week, everyone. We love you and always remember to keep up the hustle.